I actually have a question for you too. How do you two feel about the data loader pattern? It sounds like it solves some problems, but it also introduces some others, particularly if you want to have, it sounds like it has an impact on the quality of the architecture, would maybe be a fair summary, I think, where suddenly you're not really sure, does that go into my service layer, does that go into my GraphQL layer? It's kind of a GraphQL concern. If you didn't have GraphQL, you probably wouldn't have data loaders. Kind of the, the flexibility or the maybe the graph nature of GraphQL really requires you to use data loaders, I guess. Have any of you seen any better solutions? Like, I don't actually know if any exists. I'm asking a question that I don't know the answer to. I've always used data loaders, but is there is there alternatives? Do people use other things than data loaders that work differently? If you have a GraphQL native app, you don't have to use data loaders for a long time because you like build your app with the data model in mind and GraphQL in mind. So you could probably like, you know, finagle your way not to use data loaders mm. by design. Like, you like kind of go through it. But if you're inheriting like this big ass thing, then you have no control and like yeah. you have to use data loaders. No, that's a good point. I've seen that's a few years ago, but I, I've seen a GraphQL server which kind of like looked at leaf fields and kind of preloaded data if a collection was asked from the parent field, for example. And that probably works if you have like a single set of queries and you know how your API is used. But yeah, I think it falls apart super quickly. Yeah. The other approach is like the whole SQL auto-generation from a GraphQL query thing, which like you fetch everything in one SQL query, which can be really great, I think, if you start this way. But if you took a look at like uh, GitHub's code base, you can't just run SQL to get a response, right? There's like thousands of lines to know if a pull request is closed. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's also one of the things that I talk about with Tim, my, my co-founder, who, who you know created GraphQL back in the day that eventually turned into Prisma. And they basically realized that this whole GraphQL database turned into GraphQL thing that you need a layer in between. You can't just expose your, your database over there, right? Just like you said with the pull request close status, you cannot just expose your database over there. That works for about two weeks. And then you have a use case where you really want to have a layer in between. You really want your database and your API to be separate. And I thought that that was really interesting. On the other hand, what's also interesting is that Azura is really popular. We have quite a lot of customers on Azura. And Azura, I think, has kept going down this path of sort of helping people build GraphQL APIs more easily. And from what I understand, they've added a lot of functionality to make it easier to extend the API once you actually need to, which I think might actually be the better level of abstraction than what GraphQL had back in the day, which was really just your database from a UI turned into an API. No, you're right. And I, like modern databases too have like so many features I wasn't aware of before I started kind of criticizing these approaches. It turns out everything's possible. But now the, <laughs> the question is, like, what do you want your development workflow to look like, right? I like having code. <laughs> I, like, I like writing code and being able to read code. It's like, it's kind of the same reason we don't store everything in stored procedures, uh, for example. Like, it's possible, but that's not how people prefer to write software these days. So I think it's it depends on how you want to architect your thing. I'm, I think database these days are super powerful. They can run authorization policies for you and everything. Yeah. I mean, Benji, we had Benji Gilamon in one of the last episodes, and he talked about PostgreSQL for a while, right? And I learned a lot about PostgreSQL in the episode. I was like, I did not know that PostgreSQL can do all of these things. Yeah, Benji is a, is a wizard. For sure. <laughs> the solution super elegant, for sure. For sure. I mean, for all for all these things, you know, like we always talk about 
that's one of the funny things working to GraphQL over the years is I've gotten to explore a lot of general software principles because people will ask like, hey, how do you do authorization in GraphQL? And it's always like, like, how do you do authorization in general? Like these are all, or caching, like these are hard things that have never truly been figured out and they're not figured out in GraphQL either, which makes a ton of sense, right? So we talk a lot about GraphQL, but a lot of these problems are just like harder problems in general, uh, which is nice because we get to tackle them from GraphQL lenses, but I don't expect GraphQL to solve any of these <laughs> big issues by itself. Yes. What would you say the principles are that you've kind of learned over these years? You know, just gaining, obviously gaining experience, moving to bigger and better opportunities. Yeah, that's a good question. I think the, the main one is try to have GraphQL do as little as possible, right? Like GraphQL schemas is a great tool, like algorithm to resolve queries, awesome. But then we'll have a tendency, especially if you work at a layer to, hey, like exactly what we said, like we'll solve authorization at that layer. We'll solve just like pretty much everything at that layer. And I think if you can, if you're in a, especially at big companies, definitely consult with those experts at your companies with at observability, use their tools, authorization, try to push down anything that's domain related to the domain owners. So it's kind of that fine balance. Like you want to leverage GraphQL's power and what you can run and execute at the GraphQL layer, that's fine. But yeah, I think pushing down these hard problems on the teams that are best equipped to handle them is a good idea. That's a big one. And then the other one is like just to keep things simple as long as you can. If I were to advise any like smaller company or even individuals, like you probably don't need any of what you're seeing <laughs> right now on Twitter. Uh, you can take it slow and tooling, like local tooling in your service can go like very far to avoid like any like the federation problems. Yeah, be patient and keep things simple would be my, my main advice. <laughs> I love that. I think that stems from the history of GraphQL as well. If you think about GraphQL was invented at Facebook, who have this whole framework called Ent that nobody else has. They've completely invented themselves that does basically the service layer that we were talking about, right? And it, it, it handles getting data, it handles authorization, it handles all of it. And GraphQL was really meant as a, as a query language to access the data that is behind those services. But it was never meant to handle authorization, you know, in the in the context that it was invented, exactly like you're saying, it was sort of like a, I don't want to call it a thin layer because it isn't that thin, but it's like a layer on top rather than the layer that handles everything. And knowing that context, I think that that usage makes a lot of sense, right? Because that's explicitly the context that it was invented for and in. And then Facebook was just like, okay, we're just going to, we can open source this GraphQL thing. This end thing is just our our internal tooling. Like, we're, we're not going to open source this. And so... That really makes sense. And I really love keeping it simple. I mean, it's just a general principle. Keep it simple. Yep. Yep. 